Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by incoming junior on the Harvard women's hockey team, Eva Dorr. Eva, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, and how's everything going? Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Everything has been pretty good so far, just enjoying the summer. I'm home in Pittsburgh right now for like the next two weeks, pretty much, and then I'm going to be up in Boston for the summer. So just enjoying my time with my family and being at home. But uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you on as well. And how has your offseason been going so far? Do you have any plans this summer, whether it's hockey related or not? Yeah, so this summer will be my first summer training in Boston, which I'm really excited for. It's very new. I'll be able to lift on campus with our trainers at the PD, which I'm excited for, Coach Frage. And then on ice, I'll be doing a few things around Boston with some teammates that are in the area and, uh, you know, doing some skills, doing some competition. And it's nice because there's so many teams in Boston and girls that are local. So it'll be nice to kind of get that competition with girls from across the area. So I'm looking forward to it. How many of your teammates are also going to be coming to Boston this summer and doing training with you? Uh, so I think it'll just be kind of the local girls. So we have probably, I want to say like five plus in Boston already. Uh, so I'll probably be catching with them at the rink at some point. Nice. And in regards to your training, what are you and your team specifically want to work on this offseason to prepare for the upcoming year? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just building on our confidence from last season that we were building because, you know, we were a lot more of a younger team last year because uh, we lost a lot of graduating seniors. And so it was just a lot of our first times like getting that initial exposure to college hockey. And so we were just trying to build that confidence this year. And I think this summer it's really just now establishing that and then building the skill set from it um, now that we have that foundation laid. Well, I now want to sort of transition and talk about the beginning of your hockey career and sort of work all the way up to where you are today. Uh, so obviously you're from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so talk about growing up there and how did you start playing hockey? Yeah, so Pittsburgh has been just the best place to grow up. I'm really fortunate to have two older siblings have kind of paved the way for me. And I grew up in a town where sports are very big. Hockey's very big in Pittsburgh. So I always was watching the Penguins growing up and you know, I started off doing the sports rotation that you do when you're little and trying different things, but my dad always built an ice rink in our backyard, so I was very lucky with that. Um, so I learned to skate at age three, and then I actually started with figure skating, and then I saw my brother playing hockey once he got into it, and of course, I do everything he does, so I wanted to play, and so I went out with his team a few times. Finally, my parents let me join, um, so I started playing boys hockey in Pittsburgh when I was six, and then ended up playing that until checking started. That's around 12. But I transitioned to girls hockey when I was eight and I played for the same team until I was 19 or 18, graduated high school. Who was your favorite player growing up? I'm assuming it's someone on the Penguins. So uh, <laughs> anyone, sure. who was, who was like one guy that you like really liked to watch, I guess, as a kid? Yeah. So Sidney Crosby has been my idol my entire life. I mean, since I was able to write, I would put him on my Christmas list at the very top, just saying I wanted to meet Sidney Crosby. And once that happened and when I was in fourth grade, so after that, it was off the list. But he's remained my favorite player of all time ever since. How'd you get the chance to meet him? So funny enough, I was the Penguins like junior reporter in fourth grade, which my dad found through, I don't know, like Twitter, or their website or something. And he was like, yeah, you should audition for this so I submitted a reel on YouTube and ended up like going through and making it so 
I was their like little reporter and I'd come out for games and little events and they do this uh, big golf tournament every year. And I got to go to that and he was there and they plot me on a golf cart and I got to sit and talk to him. And I have a picture still of me like gripping my pen and my microphone in my hand, just like in awe of him. Yeah. He's awesome. The fact that he's still as successful as he is now, like at age yeah. like 36 is pretty unbelievable. I think that's what makes him such a fun player to watch is like how sort of sustainable and how he maintains his greatness at such an older age. It's just, you don't really see that that often in professional sports with the amount of transition that sort of takes place. Completely. And it's so weird hearing you say his age. Cause I'm like, I feel like he's stuck at age 24 where I first <laughs> like discovered him and I always like have him pinned at that age, but that's crazy. I mean, he has maintained that all those years. Have you met other famous pens like Malkin and Latang? Yeah. So I met Malkin. They have a like pregame for kids or yeah, preseason game for kids. And my boys team got to come out to that game. And at the very end, I was on the ice with Malkin, like interviewing him. My whole team was behind me in the crowd. That was like the coolest thing ever. Um, but I also met with Flurry, Matt Cook, um, Dupuis, Kunitz. Actually, not Dupuis, I don't think at that time. Kunitz. Uh, and Flurry gave my brother a signed stick because they both went to that Quebec tournament. Uh, so that was like the coolest thing. That's awesome. Yeah, you're bringing some memories back for some of those little pens. Uh, I know, pens right? Players. Chris Kunitz. The, the only thing I know from him now is Ryan Whitney got traded for him. That's sort of what he's mostly well known for today. <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy. And at one point, like Iceberg came to my school and uh, who else? Oh, my God, I'm forgetting their name. But it was just like the coolest, the, one of the best years of my life, like getting to meet all my idols. and like. Yeah, that's awesome. Was it cool like to see the pens? Because obviously they won in 2009 and then they had that little run a couple of few years ago in 2016, 2017. Uh, what was it like sort of seeing that dynasty sort of take place in two different eras? Because like you were mentioning, like Kunitz, Pasquale Dupuis, but then 2016, 17 was Matt Murray, uh, Jake yeah. Gensel, those type of players. So I think it's kind of cool to see sort of the core switch a little bit. But obviously Malkin and Crosby were there. Yeah, it was it was surreal. I mean, getting to go so or our team like going so far both of those years and watching it play out with like our big parade downtown and just like the Pittsburgh pride of uh, all of that happening but I have such loyalty to that like core group of players I it's weird seeing Flurry on different teams and like seeing him at Vegas I was like this isn't right like he's a penguin forever so it's definitely weird yeah well sort of getting back to your career a little bit um so you grew up in an athletic family your brother plays brother is a goalie for Penn State men's hockey and your two cousins also play with college lacrosse according to your bio so I just want to ask do you learn anything from one another when you guys talk about your game and do you learn anything from watching each other play your their particular sport specifically with your brother because he's a goalie so he probably has a different perspective on the game than you might completely no that's a great question um I think growing up, it was really nice getting my brother's perspective because it's not necessarily like a parent or a coach or a teammate. It's, you know, someone who's like on the receiving end. So I always like shoot pucks on him or we'd shoot pucks together in the driveway. So I feel like we've been on the same track our, our whole life. And, you know, he was kind of tossed around between high school. He went to four different high schools for hockey and then played juniors and was on seven different teams across the United States. And so I'd always talk to him. And if I was in a rut feeling like, you know, I need to work on this part of my game or that, I, you know, he talked to me about where he was. And I just remembered, you know, that he has such resilience with battling between different teams and adjusting to different atmospheres. So I always feel like I looked up to him in that regard and just wanting to 
to talk to him as much as I can to get that from him. Um, but it's been so nice having someone in the same realm because we can relate about our schedules and trying to get through finals when it's really tough with the season, but it's been the greatest thing. Now, normally the youngest sibling used to usually has to be goalie because at least I'm the youngest <laughs> yeah. sibling. So sort of they like, oh, would always put me on pads and stuff right? and shoot on me. Why did he want to be a goalie? Like, did you make him wear the pads? And is that how it got started? Oh my God. <laughs> I wish I could say I the narrative was that I made him be goalie, but I don't know how it started, but he he wanted to be goalie. He just kind of has that screw loose, you know? Yeah. And I would wear his goalie equipment and he's a backwards goalie. So I became a backwards goalie when I was in net. And, you know, I think whenever we were on the backyard, I'd end up in goal and he would end up playing. And so I try to have that happen on my team, my guys team. I told my coach, I was like, I want to play goalie, like put me in. We're age six at that point. Like nothing's definitive. You're all kind of rotating. And my coach was just like, no, I see you as a forward. And I was like, please. And he, he never let me, which I'm grateful for now, but I still have that in the back of my mind that I want to be a goalie. <laughs> do you think you could ever do it like in college, like say like an emergency situation happened? Was that something like you couldn't do or is that, is, I wonder oh, yeah. what that's like. Cause I saw Minnesota Duluth, they had to do it like a couple of years ago and yeah. I thought that was crazy. Oh my God. I would do it in a heartbeat. I should put that in the back of my coach's mind be like, Hey, <laughs> man, if we ever need an extra goalie, it'd be so fun. Because I know they don't have e-bugs in college hockey. So like it has to be someone on the team, I would assume, that has to like put on the pads if they if necessary. But usually it's fine because you have three goalies, so it's usually not a big deal. But it's something I always like to think about. Our one goalie, Daisy Boyton, she's just a really athletic person. She plays lacrosse like in her free time, and she can pick up any sport and do well. But sometimes when we have free ice, she'll put on some player skates and get out there, and she does so well. So I, we always say, like, hey, if we ever need to, let's like – Let's rotate. Let's see what can happen. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, before Harvard, you played for the Pittsburgh Penguins elite team. How'd you get the opportunity to join with that team? Because from everyone that I talked to who's played there, it's always Kathy Pippi. Like she's like sort of the godmother of uh, yeah. hockey in Pittsburgh. <laughs> she completely is. <laughs> um, she uh, she runs, she was the director of operation for Penguins elite um, whenever I entered. And my parents were able to find out about pens through you know, the Pittsburgh hockey network, which is very small, very tight knit. And so even though I started with boys, once I found out about pens, I tried out and was lucky enough to get on that team at a young age and, you know, establish those, those friendships with those teammates who, you know, there's like a core eight of us that started at that age and went all the way to college. And so that was really nice to start super young with them. Um, but pens was just a great opportunity to be able to get that exposure to, you know, college coaches and those recruiting tournaments that are really big. Um, so I'm so grateful for being able to have my parents find, find pens when I was so little. Now, how did your experience with Penn's Elite help prepare you for college hockey with Harvard? Yeah, so Penn's was always a really competitive environment. I mean, travel started, I want to say like age 10, there was some trips to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, it started to ramp up and definitely by middle school, I was getting used to, you know, talking to teachers before you go away for the weekend, if you have to miss a Friday or a Monday for those long trips and just having to balance hockey in school. And when you want to have fun in the hotel with your friends and your teammates, you have to lock away into a study room and just kind of get your work done and being able to, I learned to not be car sick in the car when doing my, my work, which was huge for me. Um, but it was just that big battle of like traveling every other weekend for hockey while also having school and having to miss homecomings and proms, but relying on your teammates and just having such a close knit family that it didn't feel like you were missing out on any, anything. 
And once that intensity really ramped up, I was able to look at the older girls from Penns that were going to, you know, some amazing schools for hockey and use them kind of as mentors for me. Um, but it gave me such great opportunities and experiences to travel the, the East Coast and Canada and even out to California. So it definitely prepared me for just that that travel and balance aspect of college hockey. So I can write in the car. I can't read. I get really car sick. How'd you learn how to read in the in a moving bus? So the key is mint gum, weirdly okay. enough. I don't, I probably read it online somewhere, but it, I found it at the right age. And once I did that, I never got car sick again, which was huge, but that was such a big battle for me when I was younger as I would try and read or, you know, do whatever. And I just couldn't, it just felt so nauseous, but yeah, mint gum is the key. All right. I'll definitely use that next time I need to read in the car sometime. So Good try. And obviously you're missing all that stuff. That must suck. But I guess for you, like obviously your senior year was during COVID. So the prom really never was going to happen anyway. So at least you can look back on that, like in a more positive way in, in some, in some regards. Completely. Yeah. 100%. COVID definitely threw off a lot of things, but I feel like I was, I was kind of able to get that high school experience with dances and stuff like end of my junior year into my fall of my senior year. Cause uh, like, as we were talking about right before the call it, I uh, tore my ACL end of my junior year during the cross season and was right in playoffs before the summer. And I thought it was the worst thing in the world, but it ended up like allowing me to kind of experience high school for, you know, that first, first bit of a uh, senior year. So it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. I don't really miss prom. Honestly, I don't really think about it too much. It's really like the senior <laughs> trip and graduation is sort of like, ah, I, I, cause I see it now with uh, kids that are graduating high school and I sort of get jealous. <laughs> I know you missed uh, senior prom too, and all of all those events, right? Yeah, our yeah. graduation we had like a small one, like outside, but it just wasn't the same. Yeah, it totally wasn't. Ours was like a drive-through. Yeah, just one person at a time <laughs> stage, and it's like, okay, what are we doing this for? But yeah, no, that's the, but when I want to look at some of these graduations, I was like, man, like we never got one. So I'm kind of looking forward to my college one just because right? like I finally, I, I finally get to have like a normal graduation that like I was supposed to get four years ago or three years ago. Completely. I feel like I never got like closure on like graduation high school. So college will be like, you know, end of the chapter. What's like the best memory from your Penn's Elite days when you look back on it now? Oh my, there's so many good ones. Um... I think my favorite's probably 2019 Nationals. We were in Irvine, California, and, you know, the whole year we were just potting for Nationals because we knew it was going to be in Cali and near the beach, and I'd never been before. So once we finally made it during uh, Regionals, that was huge. And once we were actually out there, it was just the coolest experience being in California. You know, we have one game a day, but our, like, pregame walks were amidst palm trees. You come out of the rink and there's a beach, and it was just absolutely surreal. But we didn't end up winning, but our U16, no, our U14 team won nationals that year. So that was really cool to experience, even though I wasn't necessarily on the ice with them. But that was that was magical. And like we sort of talked about, you also played lacrosse growing up and in high school, and you received some scholar awards in that sport. What was your lacrosse experience like, and how did it make you better in hockey? Because talking to coaches, I remember that a lot of them saying how they sort of miss how, I guess now a lot of people play just one sport growing up. You usually don't play multiple. And then they said they sort of missed that because playing multiple sports makes you just a better athlete in general. So mm -hmm. sort of curious, like what your thoughts were on all that and what, what yeah. was like playing lacrosse. 
I loved my high school lacrosse experience. It definitely kind of had to take a backseat from hockey. So when I had to travel for hockey and I'd then come back for lacrosse, I'd have to miss some practices practices and stuff, which was definitely hard because, you know, you want to be with your team at all times. But I think physically, it was just really great to be able to get that like endurance and being in shape in that aspect. Because even though sometimes you might be in like lacrosse shape, you might not be in hockey shape, but having like both of those at the same time was really great for me. Um, but just the team aspect, the lacrosse team at my high school was was really close and we just had a lot of fun. And from day one, even when we're running sprints, I remember like our seniors were just so cheerful and like cheering each other on. Whereas not that hockey wasn't as cheerful. It was just a bit more of a competitive environment because we're all, you know, trying to get recruited and there's a lot at stakes because we all want to do that in college. But in high school, it was a bit more relaxed. We were just pawning for, you know, state t- title was our biggest title we could probably achieve so it was a bit of a different environment so I think the biggest thing I took from that was just the team atmosphere and being a positive teammate and just carrying that into hockey was probably what I got most from that yeah I've been I watched the national championship game a few days ago between Boston College and Northwestern and it's a fun sport to watch I never really watched a lot of it growing up but it's it's a it's super fun to watch so I definitely I'm, I'm definitely trying to get more into it yeah, absolutely. I uh, am upset because Charlotte North graduated from BC, I want to say last year, and I never got to see one of her games in person. Oh, okay. um, I think she's playing professionally now, but she's like absolute leader in the women's lacrosse world. So I definitely want to watch her at some point. Well, Northwestern had some really good player. I forgot her name, but I think like if there was like a Patty Kazmaier award winner for college lacrosse, it would definitely be one of those. Definitely her. And Boston College was a very fun team to watch. So I definitely got to try to catch one of their games sometime in person as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, being up in Boston, it's got to be on the list. Oh, for sure. I'm a sports guy, so I like going to as many games as I can. So I'm with you on that. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about was something that I found pretty interesting doing research on yourself. And you received the Joan of Arc Medallion Award for volunteer service back in November of 2019. And this, you seem like super busy doing this because you had to complete 150 plus hours of volunteer service. You volunteer as a referee in might hockey tournaments. You helped run middle school and field hockey lacrosse summer camps. You also assisted special needs children and adults in blind youth youth hockey. And you also helped out with Cindy Crosby's Learn to Skate Clinic. So I just want to ask, what was it like receiving that award? And what did you learn from those volunteer experiences that you had that you think has benefited yourself um, being in college hockey with Harvard? Yeah, so that was a really great experience to be able to go to those camps and just witness different realms of hockey. I mean, they say hockey is for everyone, but it really is for everyone. I was able to see that because two experiences stick out. I did uh, a learn to skate with blind children and that was so cool. They use a metal puck that's a little bit bigger of a disc and there's metal components inside. So it makes noise as it goes around. And these kids we were going out with, you know, have never been strapped into skates before, but they just went out like so willingly and just excited to to learn. And their courage was something I definitely picked up from that and looked up to. Um, and then we also were able to skate with kids uh, who uh, were partially paralyzed. And so they used the sleds and we were able to play sled hockey with them. And their upper body strength was just absolutely amazing and we ended up at the end of the the volunteers skated or played against them and they absolutely crushed us of course they're so good uh but just like getting to see the different realms of hockey was really cool and I was able to volunteer with my teammates and just feel really fortunate for the hockey world and how close it is and 
it was a great experience. And some of my friends from high school also were uh, pining for that award. And so we were able to to do some of our volunteering that was external from those hockey camps together. So I absolutely love doing that. It also gives you some appreciation just on life in general, seeing like, I think we take a lot of things for granted. I sort of realized that during COVID, like not mm-hmm. being able to go and play hockey, like that was something I took for granted all the time before the pandemic took place. And I'm assuming for you sort of getting this chance to see those players definitely gave you some, I guess, appreciation on a lot of different things, not just in hockey, but just in life in general. Completely. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day of practices and school and, you know, homework and whatnot, but seeing those kids and how grateful they are just to be living and learning to play, I was I was definitely uh, taken aback by that. Well, let's talk about your recruitment process with Harvard. What made you want to go there versus other schools you might have looked at? Because I know going to an Ivy League school recruiting-wise is a lot different than probably what your brother experienced with Penn State because there's no NILs and all that stuff. So I'm just curious, what makes going to Ivy League school sort of different in regards to the recruiting process and what made you want to go to Harvard versus other schools you might have looked at at that time? Yeah, so my recruiting process was definitely unique in the sense that they were my number one. Harvard's been my number one since I can remember and since I even thought about playing college hockey and uh, my dad's side of the family's from Boston. So, you know, whenever we'd fly in, we'd always drive through campus and and look at it. And we were at the Harvard bookstore one day and there was a Harvard field hockey girl who was so tall and so strong. And my mom was like, you could be her. And I was like, okay, could I? And my grandfather bought me a Harvard hockey sweatshirt that I ended up wearing as my good luck charm to every tournament from there on out. But once I realized I wanted to play college hockey and I wanted to play it at Harvard, I sent them probably like 200 emails. I was so annoying and I made it my mission that they knew who I was and took advantage of, you know, these recruiting tournaments where I didn't know if I was necessarily the top player they were going to be looking at, but I was going to make sure they, they saw my name on the ice and were like, Oh, that's the girl that's been annoying us. (laughs) So I'd send emails after every quarter with my grades update, my grade updates. I'd send them the schedules of my tournament my gate, my goals, my assists, whatever it may be, awards. And then I went to their camp uh, going after my sophomore year, summer of my sophomore year. And I think that was a really big step for them to be able to put a face to the name and see my personality off the ice. And I absolutely fell in love with the coaching staff and the girls that were at that camp. And I just was, I, after that camp, I told my parents, I was like, this is it. And they're like, okay, well, we can't, like, I don't know if this, you know, I mean, they always believed in me, but they were trying to be like, okay, you have to talk to other schools, figure it out, which at the time I I knew where my sights were set. And uh, a year later from then was that I, when I got the call and I was surrounded by like my best friends and family um, up in New Hampshire, where my grandparents live. And so it was just absolutely magical. I mean, I was crying. The coaches on the call were crying. It was just like the coolest thing ever and a dream come true. So I'm so grateful for, even though it was very, very long of a, of a process. I'm grateful for that. Do you still have that sweatshirt your grandfather got you with the Harvard hockey? And do you wear it sometimes? I think that's pretty cool that he got to you when you were like a kid and now you're being, you're part of the team. Yeah, I still have it. It's got holes all over it. Um, and it's tiny on me now, but I still have it. That'll hopefully be in my, uh, my wardrobe forever. (laughs) Nice. Well, as a freshman, what was sort of the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey? Was the speed of the game, the physicality, or just the less time and space you had with the puck? All of the above, for sure. The speed is so intense and so fast. And, you know, coming off of the previous year with COVID, I didn't have any games. And 
very little ice time. Um, I was, wasn't able to get a whole lot of ice in Pittsburgh in terms of competing and playing games. Uh, and then the year before that was my injury. So it's coming up on a long time before I'd played some, some legitimate hockey. And so it was definitely an adjustment. I mean, most of our team had taken a gap year, so they were very tall, very strong, very, very good at the game. And I was just looking up to them every day in practice, trying to be like them as much as I could. How'd you shake off the rust of not playing for essentially a year and a half before you played your first game? Yeah, definitely took a while to shake off the rust um, and get the wheel spinning again. Uh, I think that off the ice, I was building a lot of strength and on the ice, I was just building the confidence and the mental aspect was really, really huge. So once I was able to kind of get those into place, I uh, felt a little bit more solid. Now talk about what it's like playing in the ECAC and just the competition you face on a weekly basis. Cause I think it's the most competitive conference in women's college hockey. I think teams like one through six or seven have a legit chance of winning the trophy and making the tournament. And I don't know if other conferences can say that. So what's it like sort of playing those teams? And obviously from an Ivy league perspective, like there's so many good Ivy league teams that you get to play as well. Yeah, for sure. No, that was well said. I mean, our competition every weekend is is extremely solid and we're never underestimating anyone or and never want to be underestimated. Um, because I mean, I forget exactly how many, but I want to say it was like six ECAC teams went to went through last year or something crazy. Yeah. Um, I think they were all ranked, or like seven teams were ranked at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean it's amazing competition and uh we're lucky enough to kind of be central to all of them so I feel like it's all kind of within like three hours I mean Clarkson's like seven that's a bit of a of a hike but for the most part everything's pretty close to us and it's nice to not have to to fly very far distances um but it's always good competition I heard you have to take a boat to get to Clarkson is that true it's true (laughs) so we drive like I forget what it is Phil can correct me if I'm wrong but I think we drive like three or four maybe five hours and then we get on a ferry on the boat and then when we're on the ferry on the boat, we usually get off the bus because it's like rocking the whole time we're on this ferry. And that's like 30 minutes. And then we drive for another next bit. Um, but last crazy. we stopped at, uh, oh, I forget what restaurant it was, um, but we stopped at a restaurant right before the hotel and we had steak and mashed potatoes and we had a great meal. So it made the road trip definitely worth it. <laughs> that's definitely got to be the craziest road trip story ever. Bus, yeah. boat, back on a bus for seven hours. That's yeah. that's crazy. So Yeah, no, it's a haul. You have to bring like all your pillows, blankets. I bring my big winter parka and just like get myself in a complete like huddle on the bus and fall asleep. Now, technically your freshman year never happened since it was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So when did you find out you weren't having a season? And I guess, what'd you do during that time when you were supposed to play games to get ready for the following season, especially since you're recovering from your ACL injury? Yeah. So I came in my freshman fall. It was just freshman on campus and I took classes And then we found out our season was canceled, I want to say October, November time. So uh, I ended up taking a gap semester that spring, so spring of 2021. And, you know, college virtual is a very different experience, even though they try to make it as as similar as they could. Um, And I definitely wanted to have that experience with hockey and school. So I came home and I was a nanny for from the time like January to August. So about nine months. And that was awesome. I would just like work from, from nine to five. And then I'd go to the gym, shout out to Cy Bishop training room out on Neville Island in Pittsburgh. They like picked me up from the bottom and brought me to, to get ready for college the next season. And I feel like coming in last year, I actually felt like that was my freshman year for, for college hockey. And 
that was just a great time to be home and really work on the basics and kind of build from ground zero. But it was nice because all the guys from that gym uh, came back home from college and juniors. So we were able to train that summer and that group kind of became family. And I come back home on breaks and holidays and see all them again and train for a little bit. So I was really lucky to to get to have that and find that. And from an academic standpoint, like you're supposed when you go to Harvard, you're supposed to like face-to-face interaction with some of the best professors in the country or even in the world. And to sort of do that through Zoom, I feel like it sort of takes away from just that learning aspect that I think makes Harvard one of the best universities in in the U.S. Yeah, now that I've experienced like in-person classes, it's definitely a very different experience from virtual. And even though they tried to make it as similar as possible, I didn't know half the way like things worked with classes and the best study methods and, you know, getting to go to like in-person office hours and group study sessions and these networks that exist, I didn't even know were a thing. Um, I didn't even know what like a cue guide was going into my freshman year, which basically like listed how a class worked and people's reviews of it. So it was definitely a very interesting experience, just like learning things on my own. How do you balance hockey and school at such a high level? Because with an Ivy League, you probably have such a much bigger academic workload than uh, other people in other universities. So what's sort of the strategy that you use to sort of balance hockey and school? I think my Google calendar is like my Bible, that and like <laughs> my agenda. I stick to those like glue. Uh, but I really rely on those and I've gotten kind of used to being a planner. I love, I love outlining, love making lists. And I've done that since like sixth grade, just trying to keep track of hockey and school and social and, you know, having the month plan before it even begins is something that makes me just feel like mentally stable. I love color coordinating, getting everything outlined. It's like one of my favorite times just to kind of relax and reset is when I plan. So definitely rely on those the most. Don't worry, I'm the same way. I It's hard for me to sort of do things uh, spontaneously. It's yeah. <laughs> really hard for me to do that. I'm trying to learn my best, as, um, but, you know, I need to plan things out. I definitely feel like I'm, I don't know what the word is. I, maybe it's my OCD. It just feels yeah. like I feel more comfortable when I like run on a schedule than when yeah, I'm not. 100%, 100%. Um, and then those times you are spontaneous, it feels like that much better because you're like, I didn't even plan this. It just yeah. happened. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so during your freshman year season, uh, your team won the bean pot. Now, I know you didn't play in any of those games that season, but what was it like to be a part of that team and win that trophy uh, for the first time in Northeastern? Because I feel like a lot of people didn't really expect you guys to win that bean pot, but when you guys finally did, that must have been a good feeling and a cool team to be a part of that year. Yeah, that was absolutely magical. I mean, it meant just as much to me, I think, as if I had been on the ice uh, just growing up with my dad's family from Boston. I knew how big the bean pot was. My team would always go to those games when we were little and, you know, watch those girls. And they look so big and so strong. And I mean, that's exactly what our team was last year. Our seniors were just so solid and our whole I mean, our whole team was so solid. And so, you know, even though I wasn't on the ice, just to know I was a part of that team and at the practices every day, the lifts and learning from those older girls was crucial to my uh, growing process these past two years. So that was a really cool experience. I mean, getting on the ice, lifting that above my head and just like celebrating with the team. That was the coolest thing. Did you guys, can you put like food in the bean pot and like eat out of it? Or is it like, you can't do it. I'm just curious about that. Cause I remember seeing somewhere, maybe it was the <laughs> men's team that like they had cereal out of the bean pot. I don't know if the women's trophy is different than that or not. I want to say we put uh cereal in like a bag and then put it in there. So yeah. That it, like, you know, we didn't do anything messy with it, but uh, 
that's definitely on the agenda at some point is to just, you know, put it straight. Exactly. Out. Exactly. Do you get to keep it or do you have to give it back at some point? Um, I think we had to give it back. We kept it the whole year. We had it in our locker room for a while. And at one point we had in our little lounge, we had our, like, <laughs> I say a little, but it's, we had our ECAC trophy, Ivy league, and then the bean pot and just like walking in every day and seeing that so casually, it's just like, what? what? Yeah. It motivates you to get better though. Cause you want to win more. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Now I, I walk in and I'm like, okay, we got to have that fill, filled again. Now your team also got to go to Minnesota Duluth and, or play Minnesota Duluth and play in the NCAA tournament for the first time in your playing career. Uh, what was that experience like uh, from your perspective, getting, getting to travel to Minnesota and be a part of a tournament team? Going to Minnesota was so cool. I mean, just knowing how big of a deal it is to make it to the tournament and to be there and, you know, be a collegiate athlete at such a high level was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, seeing our team play in those games, obviously wanted a different outcome and to go a little bit further, but I think just getting that initial taste of it, uh, my freshman year was important because now I want to get back out there and be on the ice this time, making a difference. Uh, but it was definitely a really, really cool experience. Now you improved a lot from your freshman year to your sophomore year. You got your first career points this past season and went from playing in seven games your freshman year to playing in 30 games during your sophomore year. What would you say was the biggest improvement that you made to your game from your freshman to your sophomore year that led to your increase in playing time and offensive success that you had on the stat sheet? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was just confidence. You know, that freshman year, I was learning a lot from our upperclassmen and just seeing how they do things and learning our systems. And then once I kind of had confidence in myself and knew my teammates had confidence in me as well, it did wonders for me. Um, and I was able to use, you know, my biggest assets to my advantage. And even though I was like scared to initially, and so, you know, my size, my speed, I'm a very defensive minded player, love a good face off. And once I kind of was able to st stick to those things and not be afraid to have those as my biggest traits. I was really pumped to use them to my advantage. And um, just like being with our team and having their support was really huge for me. Often it's an interesting thing because I think it's so important for a player, but <clears throat> I don't think players realize how important it is because confidence, it's so hard to gain it, but it's so easy to lose it. Like you can lose it in one play, but you yeah. can gaining confidence. It take, can sometimes take months. So how did you sort of yeah. work on that throughout the season? Yeah, I think it was a lot of uh, reliance on or a lot of relying on my summer training, um, training again at that gym back home, SBC and uh, back at the UPMC Lemieux complex in Pittsburgh. Uh, my training was really intense and I felt extremely ready going into the season and, you know, beginning of the season, we're kind of shaking through things, figuring out the lineup, but hitting the, I kind of feel like I hit the ground running come January and our game at Fenway, I felt a lot more like myself than I had in like two years. So that was really huge for me and just, you know, relying on, on what you, you know, you can bring to the table and not letting little things shake it. Um, but it definitely took a lot of time of mental training, like off the ice to get there. I do want to ask, what was that game at Fenway like uh, for you? Um, it seemed like it was picturesque with the snow coming down. So uh, it, was uh, it looked so like cool. a lot of fun. Yeah, it was actually raining that whole week and we were scared it was going to like our game was going to get rained out. But I want to say it was like 30 minutes before we got on the ice, it turned to snow and we went out from the locker room and just looked at the park and it was just like a blizzard. And, you know, my family all drove in and 
the whole team, everyone's parents came to that and it was just absolutely magical. I mean, they had to shovel the ice like every five minutes. So it felt like you could barely move the puck, but you're just skating out there and you can't like stop smiling. I mean, Mm -hmm. even the girls in Quinnipiac, they were just like, this is so cool. Like, when are we going to get to experience this again? Yeah, especially such an iconic ballpark like Fenway. Like that's that's pretty cool as well to get to say that you played there, especially since the Penguins play there for the Winter Classic. So yeah. that's pretty cool from your perspective going yeah. to see both of those, I assume. Yeah, we did a, a secret Santa and my teammate Kaylee Crawford got me a hat from the Winter Classic that had the Pens logo on it. And I wasn't able to go to the game, but that hat like meant the world to me. And just like sitting on the bench and those benches were like heated. So yeah. I felt like freezing on the ice, which is one of the concerns too. But we were like in the locker room in between periods, putting our gloves and all of our stuff on top of the fans, just trying to get them to air out. I like wrap my stick in tape so I could like hold it better. Uh, but it was, it was so cool. Exactly. And I think when you look back on that, like years from now, you're going to remember just the whole experience, not sort of what happened in the game. At least that's what I feel like is going to, ha- if I were to play in that sort of environment. So hundred percent and our media team I mean Phil knows they put in so much work for that game and we had so many people like following us that whole day and taking pictures it just you felt like a celebrity it was really cool now you got to play in your first bean pot this past season as well um even though you guys didn't win those games I just want to ask what that experience was like uh getting to play um in a bean pot at Boston College and how excited are you for the bean pot to be potentially put, played at the garden for your team next season I'm so pumped for the garden. I mean, watching the guys games this past year, I was just kept asking, I was like, why are we not here? Um, So it's nice to finally be able to be performing there. And I'm so excited for, for the bean pot this year. I think the past year, a a big part of it was just like the reality of playing in it and it being my first year and not trying to be swayed by the shock of it and just be approaching it as any other game, but obviously with a bit higher stakes in terms of that trophy and just in that arena seeing all like the little girls that come to watch us I mean I knew I was that girl um a few years back so it's so magical and so special so I'm really excited for this year that's awesome is the third place game going to be played at the garden or is it just the championship game I'm not I wasn't quite sure what the announcement I hope the third place game is played at the garden because as you know, that that uh, co- consolation game is really very low energy. And that's just putting yeah. it nicely. So I just feel like that the garden <laughs> it'll, it'll be a lot more fun to be in. Um, I rumor has it that it's just the final that's there, but I mean, Philip can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's just the final. But the guys had both of their games there. Just saying. I know. I just I understand maybe <laughs> the semifinal, but they got put the third place game there because that's. I know. I know a lot of players uh, would like for that game to not happen. So at least if you're going to have it at the garden, I think that would be a good, good. Uh, that's just my opinion personally, but yeah, I feel like your team's going to get to the garden regardless next year. So I'll, I'll have the confidence in your team to do it. Thank you. I uh, biggest thing now is just getting uh, Harvard out there to, to watch the game. Cause I know it, the guys last year, I mean, the stands were full and it's trying to gauge the ratio of Harvard to Northeastern students, at least for the the guys being pot. And yeah. Really want to make sure we have packed stadium as as packed as possible. Yeah, you want to get rid of that reputation because I feel like a lot of the Boston schools say you guys have no fans, but I know that's not true. So not you true. got to prove them wrong a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Now, believe it or not, you're going to be a junior next year, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, what type of leadership do you want to bring to the team as one of the more veteran players on the team? And are you more of a lead by example type of player, or sort of vocal leader? I'm just curious about because your junior classes 
huge. Like I think yeah. it's like almost half the team, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's massive. Um, I think we've definitely learned how to how to all work with one another, and we're so close this year. Um, after the past two years, we've just gotten super close as a unit. So we're really excited to showcase that on the ice and build off of the confidence we were building last year. But I definitely am kind of a mixture in terms of leadership. I'm mostly just a positive force trying to make sure everyone's smiling and, you know, not getting down the dumps if, you know, we might be down a point or whatever it may be. Um, but because I am mostly, you know, happy-go-lucky, smiley all the time when I do get serious and, you know, dial in and say it's time to do something, I think that people listen to me, which is nice. But we've got a lot of really vocal girls and everyone uh, is able to listen to one another really well and we work really well together. So I'm excited to see how it all gels out this season, but I think it'll go really well. What are your team's goals and expectations for next season? Because obviously last season was not an easy year for your team on a lot of different aspects. So sort of what's your team's sort of mentality heading in uh, to next year to sort of just get better? Yeah, I think the biggest thing this year is just building on the confidence that we were building last year. And that was kind of set as a foundation. And now it's just acting as a unit. We got, like I said, really close off the ice last year. And now it's just time to show that on the ice. And we're all really excited to do that. So we're now in a segment I like to call the non-hockey segment, where I ask you some non-hockey questions just to get to know you a little bit more off the ice. So first thing is, one thing that people might not know about yourself is you have a YouTube channel with 12,000 subscribers, which I found pretty unbelievable when I found out. I, I've subscribed myself. I just want to watch. Oh, thanks. So how'd you get start a YouTube channel? How'd you grow it? And what type of videos do you make? And will there be a new video coming up soon? Because you haven't made one in almost a year. Oh, that's crazy. Um, okay, so I started the channel when I was entering my freshman year. So like the freshman COVID fall of 2020. And I kind of started it in the sense that I've always wanted to make videos and do that type of thing. But my parents always said they wanted to experience or just like be a fly on the wall during my college experience. And I mean, they did everything in their power to get me to where I am and to support my siblings and I. So I felt like it was a great you know, combination to be able to have them see that. And for future years, my friends and I can look back and see our college experience played out. So I had a lot of time that freshman fall to make those videos and make the content I wanted of college. But over the past year and a half, at first I was like, I wanted to make content on being an athlete at Harvard, but didn't want to be that freshman, you know, just like pulling out the camera and being like, hey guys, like smile. Um, but I definitely recorded a ton of footage this past year of like housing day and moving and big events with my friends. I just never have gotten around to edit it, but that's on my agenda for the summer. So I definitely want to get back into it and capture a lot of more experiences. Are you surprised the channel got to 12,000 people? That's pretty unbelievable. I was like, holy crap. Like yeah. know, I saw the K in front of the channel. I thought that was pretty cool. So Thank you. Yeah, that was a bit of a shock. I didn't expect to get as much attention to some of those videos that they got. I'm really grateful for it. And my friends love, love being in them with me. So sometimes they'll just take the camera and like do their own thing, which I love. Uh, but I definitely was not expecting that. Yeah, I think like there's this YouTuber I like who's sort of similar. His name's Pat Shea. He would do like videos of road trips with Maine hockey team, like on the bus and stuff. Oh, and I know, awesome. I know that you sort of did one when you guys were going to Minnesota Duluth. That's sort of what I'm just as a subscriber myself, I feel like it would be cool to see like a road trip. Oh, I'd love to do that. Where talk where we'll show the sort of behind the scenes of what, what that's like, especially to Clarkson with the boat. I want to see what that's like in person. Wait, that's a great idea. I'll, uh, I'll put that on the list. That's, that's right. a great, like segment. 
All right, that's uh, that's all. I just from a subscriber, I just wanna wanna let you know that. So, so and you can clip this, <laughs> you can clip this clip and put it in the beginning of your video so people that's know. Perfect. That's exactly. perfect. I'll add you. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate that. Well, getting back to some more non-hockey questions, is uh, what music do you like to listen to? So I'm a really big country fan. I love Zach Bryan, Luke Combs. I actually was able to uh, go to Zach Bryan this past fall. That was the coolest thing ever. I like cried the whole time. Um, but I love also like rap when I'm working out, like Drake, 21 Savage, uh, and then definitely like Taylor Swift is a big Taylor Swift girl. I don't think I can go to her concert this year, but I'm a Swifty for life for sure. That's good. What uh, Taylor Swift era would, are you in if you had oh. a pick? Oh my God. I would I have... say I'm personally 1989 because I like a lot of those songs on that album. Right. And I think I like the vibe of that album too, sort of like New York, like city life. Yeah. So that's sort of what I would go with. Oh my God. I feel like kind of summer vibe. I might be more like, I don't know, speak now. I went to the speak now tour when I was little. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like I'm just stuck in that era forever. <laughs> it's a good album though. I'll give you that. I will so say like her, her concert looks awesome. Like, and all these people that show up, like it's oh, pretty it's crazy. I think she's outfits. like, one of the most. Oh yeah. Yeah. It no, looks super cool. Magical. Absolutely magical. I don't know. Like, I think she might be like one that has to be the most popular musician in like the last 20 years based on like what I've been seeing with these concerts, the traffic, all that stuff. I think it's yeah. pretty unbelievable to like. Oh, that's the solid statement. Now, if you could have lunch with anyone in the world, uh, who would it be and why? Okay. So I'm so mixed on this answer because I want to, can it be like past or present? It can be whoever you want. It could be someone you know. Okay. okay. So two answers. Both are my grandmother's one on my mom's side, one on my dad's side. So my dad's side, my grandmother had a stroke. Uh, I was pretty little when it happened. And so whenever we communicated with her, it was always a little bit harder to to talk with her. And I know she's, I mean, she was so loving, happy as a clam, but I'd love to talk with her when like my dad was kind of in college, like at that age for her. Um, and then in terms of my grandma on my mom's side, I would want to talk to her when she was in college. She went to UT Austin and she met my grandfather and they got engaged in five weeks and they went to Germany together and had this like 50 plus year love story. But I'd love to talk to her like at that era of her life because we're so close now, but I feel like I never knew her or like what she was like in that stage. So it'd be both of them. That seems like a good uh, movie to make about your grandparents meeting. <laughs> That's what we keep saying. They sent love letters to each other back and forth for like years, I want to say, while he was in Germany and she came back. Or no, it was her, I actually got that story wrong. It's her mom and dad um, that sent love letters to each other for two years yeah. while my great-grandfather was at war. And my parents, my mom has been on her for like the longest time to like write a book about it or like do something. So we have all these old letters that you look back on. And it's just like, times are so different. Oh yeah. The standard probably is very high though, like after hearing about that. 100%, like always has been because of, of them. I feel like uh, that would be good for at least people in my family. I think it'd be cool to talk to my grandfather. Uh, he served in Vietnam and, and I know he doesn't really talk about that much, but it'd be cool, sort of cool to meet him like as my age now and sort of ask what yeah. that was like and how the times in the 60s were obviously very tumultuous and uh, very chaotic. So sort of like how he managed it as a kid, because it's kind of crazy to know that I'm the same age as him when he was doing all that stuff. Wow, that's wild. That'd be so cool. Now, according to our style rankings, you have some of the best style in all of women's college hockey, third ranked, um, according to CHT. That so I do have to ask, 
I know you have the best style in Harvard women's hockey, but outside yourself, who would you say has the best style or is it just you? Oh my God. Definitely not just me. Um, <laughs> I would put like other teammates above my, I'd put Hannah Chorsky. Definitely. Like she is, she shows up to like 6am lift in like a cute matching Aritzia set. And I'm in like my PJs from the night before and like a grout fit. She just always looks like on point no matter what. So definitely Hannah Chorsky. <laughs> What was your thoughts on the being third ranked? I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I was shocked when I saw it. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, what? Um, but it's funny because the picture I'm wearing, uh, the picture from our Fenway game, uh, Kristen Della Robert, who's also extremely well-dressed. I'm wearing her pants. She let me borrow. And then my roommate, Piper, she let me, actually, she did, I just had to take it because no one was uh, in our room during J-turn, but I had gotten a coffee that morning that was like crucial to my pregame routine. And I, only had a plastic cup. And when I scoot her to the rink and I have a plastic cup, it spills all over my outfit. And I didn't want to get Della's pants like gross. So yeah. I put it in that other tumbler. So shout out to both of them for, for donating. So pretty much they're the reason why you have arguably the best style <laughs> in uh, college hockey. So completely. And funny story about that trench coat I was wearing in that picture. I was shopping with my mom in high school, like probably like freshman year. And I saw that coat in the store and I told her, I was like, I want to wear that coat at Harvard. And she was like, what? Like we're years out from you going to college, whatnot. And I was like, I I'm going to wear that coat at Harvard. And that was the first time I got to wear it at school. So that That's was really awesome. special. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have any, do you guys have any uh, cool stuff planned for next season for like big games and stuff? Ooh, like in terms of like, like you uh, must, I feel like for big games, you got to sort of show up with something flashy to like let people know, like, like you mean business. I think bean pot will definitely be something we have our eyes on to plan in advance. Okay. Uh, I think Quinnipiac had some fantastic outfits for yeah. their pregame. They had like the kind of baseball style fit, which mm-hmm. I think it was the Bruins that wore like the old school style yeah. uh, fits, which I thought were so cool. And Quinnipiac totally like thought of that before they even saw that too. So definitely getting creative in that realm. I saw some people on the men's side wear like varsity jackets with like the baseball caps. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Like sort of old sports style stuff. I, I that, that, that I liked a lot. Yeah. That was really cool. I want to create something like that for hopefully being taught. Now last on hockey question is what's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Oh, um, Oh, I saw an article that said that California is banning skittles. And that's pretty uh, sad because I'm a huge Skittle lover. I eat them in between periods and it's like crucial to my routine. So I'm going to like buy all of the Skittles I can if they end up getting banned in mass as well. Well, luckily there's no college hockey teams in California, so you don't have to worry yeah. about that. Uh, why yeah. are they banning them? Do they say? There's like apparently five toxic chemicals that California is trying to just ban across like across the state and it okay. happens in Skittles. And I was talking to my mom and she said that it's like has problems with early childhood development. And she's like, maybe that's why you are the way you are. <laughs> I had a ton of skills growing up and I seem fine, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look at us now. We're doing great. I know. So uh, I guess for me, the most interesting thing, probably just the Vegas Golden Knights making the Stanley Cup final. I know it's supposed to be the non-hockey segment, but I've not been paying attention to the news at all. So that's okay. sort of seeing like, um, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool sort of seeing that make it and now for the we'll get a new Stanley Cup champion this year. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens. Oh, that'll be really exciting. And the Celtics losing was kind of that was pretty dramatic, pretty big. 
Yeah, it's, it's tough, but luckily I'm not the biggest basketball fan. I'm mostly a hockey guy. So the Bruins already broke my heart two months ago. So yeah. I was sort of like prepared for it. So I was like, eh, it is what it is. So That's we'll fair. see what the, hopefully the Red Sox uh, could sort of salvage that a little bit this summer. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. I'm uh, I never grew up like a big basketball fan. Just yeah. It's not in Pittsburgh, but I've started to become one. Um, my boyfriend's like the biggest basketball fan, biggest Celtics guy. So I feel like I've started to watch a little bit. Um, and I realized my dad's a big fan too, because his family's from up there. Um, but I, uh, I want to definitely like pirates aren't, the, aren't, they weren't the best last year. Um, but then the pens not making playoffs this year was crazy. It was what, the first time in like 18 years. Or and that's something. the reason why Panthers are in the Stanley cup final, which is kind of yeah. unbelievable to see how that worked out. Crazy craziness. Yeah, I'm not the biggest basketball fan myself. Like, I my parents met at UConn at a basketball game, so obviously basketball is the reason why I'm here today. But I've just never really gotten into the sport. I've always just been sort of a hockey guy now. So I don't know. I do watch it occasionally, though, like when the Celtics go on these runs, which they've been doing the last few years. So I'm starting to get into it. But I don't know. I'm usually I'm always a Bruins guy first and foremost, yeah. and Sox guy. And they've been uh, they've found a way to break my heart so many times the last few years. So I'm sort of used to it at this point. That's fair. You're just numb by now. Oh yeah. Well, getting back to some hockey questions now for all the list, younger listeners listening to this pod, what advice would you give them on what it takes to be a college hockey player like yourself? I think the biggest thing is just learning to bet on yourself because the recruitment process can feel kind of isolating at times, you know, can feel like you're doing a lot of research on your own and trying to figure out where you want to go and what is a good hockey program. But stick to the basics of what feels good, what feels right, go to these schools, tour them, and just listen to your gut. And it's really hard, but don't compare yourself to all these other teammates and players in the hockey world your age and younger or older that are committing to these amazing schools. And uh, just know that everyone's on their own track and all running our own race. And it doesn't matter when you commit, but if you're committing to somewhere that feels right to you and is your dream, then that's all that matters. Um, for me, the process, I was really focused on academics and uh, making sure they had a strong hockey program as well. But I knew that one day I'm going to have to lace up the skates and then for the last time and hang them up. So I definitely wanted to put my career at the forefront of my agenda. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to go to Harvard where hockey is equally as, as big and as uh, competitive. So just making sure you stick to the basics and listen to your gut. Or do you have any shout outs you want to give to your family members, friends, teammates, former teammates, and who should we have on the pod next? Oh my goodness. Shout outs to the Cy Bishop training room, Jim at Pittsburgh. They've raised me. Um, definitely Brandon Blandina, who's now an uh big, big time NHL ref. He was like one of my my coaches and mentors growing up. My parents, my brother, my sister, my coaches at Harvard, teammates, all whole gang. I'm probably missing a million people, but um lucky to have all those people. Um but next on the podcast, oh my god, I definitely would say one of the Pittsburgh girls, but you had Brianna and Mackenzie. I think you'd have a time with my brother on the podcast. That would be that would be electric to listen to. Um and in terms of like my teammates, you can't go wrong with any of them. They're all like fantastic people. Um I definitely think Alex Pleachy and Shannon Hollins are fantastic speakers and just really good people to have conversations with. So definitely those two for sure. Well, I've always wanted to do a goalie goalie episode where two goalies on the pod. I feel like your brother and one of his Penn State goalie buddies, I feel like that would be cool to talk to, see, hear what that room's like. 
Wait, that'd be so sick. I told my brother I was um, going to be on your podcast today and he follows you. He knows all about you. Um, and he was like, wait, that's so sick. So he definitely says hello. Awesome. Well, shout out to him uh, for my end. But I just want to say thank you so much, uh, Eva, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. It means a lot to myself. You're a great player and a great person. And I'm excited to see your team play uh, next uh, next season. I know you guys are going to do great things and have a bounce back year. And uh, have yeah. a great off season and summer and have some fun. And uh, best of luck uh, in regards to training as well. Thank you so much. It means so much to get to come on here and and talk about my hockey experience and, you know, learn from you. I love what you're doing and, you know, growing the game and especially talking to a lot of girls in college hockey is absolutely huge. We need more people like you. So thank you. One step forward and another back. I will never try to fool you. I'm one heartbeat away from going mad Girl, when you're looking like that Closer, closer I'ma get closer to you, yeah Got me, baby Got me hooked on you once again